Welcome to Inspired Artist Podcast with me, Porter Singer. In this episode, I am speaking with me, Porter Singer, and I'm going to be talking about finding purpose in parenting, living with presence, and finally, at the end, I'll be talking about my interpretation and why I feel that people get a little bit miffed about the law of attraction. So stay tuned, and here we go. So welcome to the third um, consecutive Just Me podcast. This isn't happening um, through any fault of my own, but I feel like this must be sort of a sign that this is a positive thing to introduce into the framework of my podcast is just some solo episodes. I do have some guests coming up, but for whatever reason, no one seems to have been present for these this block. Um, I've had a few cancellations. So it's me and in the spirit of consistency, which is, you know, not my, not my forte. I'm not what I would call a consistent person. I am consistently inconsistent. Um, I would like to release something each Friday for you as a podcast. Um, so the topic of this one, I think, although I suppose as I talk, I will, um, solidify it further, but I just wanted to talk around, not sort of about, but kind of around the ideas of purpose and feeling fulfilled on this planet. I talked about myself a lot um, in the last one and how I'm kind of dealing with this transition from being what felt like in a very purposeful existence to one that doesn't have so much structure and is feeling a little bit purposeless. Um, and after I released it, I reflected that I had kind of missed the whole um, obvious purpose of my life right now. Um, not that I forgot about it, but I was focused more on career purpose. Um, but I definitely feel purposeful in, you know, the raising of my children. And that for me right now seems to be my most important purpose. So I, I went to this memorial uh, for my friend this weekend. Uh, he, he died in December, but um, because of COVID and uh, the, one of the facilitators becoming sick or the, the, actual, the actual organizer becoming sick, um, it was postponed until this last weekend. And I've just found this sort of like renewed sense of hopefulness that I haven't felt in a long time. Um, to be honest, uh, I feel so much more excited about what the future holds and not just with, you know, with respect to my purpose as a mother, which I feel is a very important purpose. Um, I've always felt a little bit pulled in many directions though, because I do feel purposeful in so many different things like in coaching people and in making music and um, performing and recording and um, making videos and, um, you know, making quote memes and things like that. I, I feel um, I enjoy doing a lot of things. And this podcast is one of them. Um, so I, I really love this podcast because it gives me a platform to share other voices and to interact with them and ultimately learn a lot. So one of the, 
one of the messages that I got from returning from this memorial, which was, um, again, I'm not going to talk about the actual thing because I feel like that's sort of a sacred space that existed and um, I'm going to let it be its own thing. But uh, just the the sense of showing up in a space that is dedicated to the honoring of one person's life is very special. Um, if you can imagine sort of, you know, who would show up at your memorial and what they would say about you, it gives you kind of, um, gives you kind of the ability to reverse engineer, if you will, um, your life. Like, what would you want people to say about you? What would you want people to notice? You know, how would you have wanted to affect and touch people's lives? Ultimately, I feel like people are going to talk about the positive aspects of your being at a memorial. And I think so long as you have shared more positive, that's not to say cheery, but like, um, maybe positive is the wrong word, more um, productive or more, um, I'll come up with it, uh, you know, aspects of your life, as long as that sort of outweighs, you know, the, the ways in which you pissed people off or um, uh, the ways in which, you know, you were this or that or, you know, the other thing. I feel like we tend to to forget about the small, you know, things that annoyed us about the people who depart because ultimately they never mattered anyway, you know? Um, most, I feel like all the people in my life at least are mostly wonderful, you know, with their, with their small quirks. And why wouldn't you talk about the wonderful aspects of someone's nature? Um, I think that that's, that's pretty normal. And that's a pretty, you know, wonderful focus. So, you know, when you think about your life, I guess I'm posing this to you, what would you want people to remember about you? And then you can think about the things that inspire you and that you want to accomplish and that you want to start doing and the ways that you want to be. It's not even so much about, in fact, it's not at all about the things that you produce. Um, it's about the ways that you are. One of the things that struck me so much about what people said about my friend was that he was so able to be present with people that you really felt like he was, you were the only person in the room when you were talking with him. And that presence was so much more meaningful than anything that he could have done or produced or given, right? Um, I personally love the idea of leaving a physical legacy. That's one of the reasons that I love recording. But it's definitely not necessarily the most lasting aspect of anyone's life, you know. Um, who knows if in a thousand years people will have access to all of the digital assets that we've left on this planet. I just don't know. But um, it's a it's definitely true that the energetic imprint that you leave is indestructible because whether somebody realizes that it came from you or not it's like the butterfly wing that that you know sets off what is it like the tornado on the other side of the world um everything affects everything else and when you lead a life that 
is imbued with this sense of cherishing other people, caring for them, being kind, practicing, you know, um, presence with them, then you have led a good life and people are likely to remember that about you. Um, I'm sure that there are countless, you know, hundreds, thousands of people that encounter Joshua on a daily basis who had no idea what his name was or what his profession was or whatever that he positively impacted. You know, I, I would like to think that that is true about me and I would invite you to reflect on whether that's the sort of impression that you leave when you go to the supermarket or when you go to a furniture store or an amusement park whether the encounters that you're having with people are leaving um, nice feeling imprints, you know? Because I think ultimately that's, that is our uh, most, most wonderful legacy. That is the legacy that, that I would like to leave behind. So in terms of, you know, in terms of purpose, I was listening to this TED talk about how we should be focusing more on wellness and less on purpose. I think that the, the idea of, you know, purpose tends to be, which is why I sort of forgot about, well, not forgot about, but forgot to mention, or in the context of that, my, my role, my purpose as a parent, because I think that the question of purpose tends to be more in terms of career and how we make money, which is interesting, because I think that's a very, I remember Billy, um, hi, Billy. I remember Billy uh, commenting on um, my cult podcast on YouTube that capitalism was the biggest cult, you know, and when you think about how we all um, tend to, in, in subtle and sometimes not very subtle ways, uh, measure our worth by the amount of revenue that we bring in, right? Um, I think this is a particularly male uh, concept. Um, that women definitely, <laughs> definitely get imprinted with, but it's, it seems to be more sort of a yang, like, you know, uh, energetic imprint of finding worth in, in revenue, finding worth. And that's a very capitalistic concept or capitalist concept, right? That's not a pagan concept. That's not a, a naturalist concept, you know? Um, you know, what if we measured our value by, how many uh, trees we didn't cut down or, you know, our ability to the amount of oxygen that we bring into our lungs when we take a breath, you know, it's very hard to imagine that as being a useful metric because that's just not how our world is structured. Um, but that doesn't mean that we can't have those metrics for ourselves. So I remember somebody asking me when I was going through a coaching program a few years ago, what my, what my, um, what was the word she used? I can't remember, but let's call it principles. You know, what the principles that I lived by were. And were they somebody else's or were they ones that I had determined for myself? And at the time, they were somebody else's. Um, this was around the time when I was starting to question a lot of the um, practices that I was doing within the context of the cult that I was in. And I was starting to realize that a lot of the things that I believed weren't really serving me in terms of where I wanted to go. They had served me pretty well for growing into who I was up until then, but I needed to 
expand past that and the confines that I had created for myself, these belief systems that were applauded by this cult that I was part of, were not allowing me to grow beyond the person that I had become. So I'd reached this sort of, I guess like you could consider, you could think of it as like this chick in an egg, you know, I like, I had to push beyond the shell in order to spread my wings. Oh, what a nice analogy. Um, in order to spread my wings and, you know, discover other aspects of myself. And so for that, I had to be become very brave and decide that I was going to expire some of the concepts that I held to be truth. And I mean, in saying that, it sounds like, okay, no big deal. You know, obviously that was for the best, but um, when you consider some of the beliefs that you hold to be, you know, dear, um, and deciding to rearrange them, it's actually quite a scary concept. It feels sort of like jumping off of a cliff because you don't really know what's on the other side of that. And if you believe that those principles have been keeping you safe and have been the right, you know, the right thing for a while, as opposed to the things that you want to explore, that's, that's really daunting, you know, like just for example, um, deciding to not wear a head covering, for example, that was a very, um, tricky thing for me because I had all these beliefs about why I did it that were positive and that, um, that gave me a sense of purpose and gave me a sense of identity. And my belief about not wearing it was that, you know, my pineal gland would shrink. I wouldn't be able to meditate very well. Um, I would be less spiritual. I would, I can't even, I can't even remember all the things that I believed about it, honestly, because I've just like worked hard to shed all the things. But I remember um, my ex-husband bringing up like, you know, whether or not we should cover our son's head at one point. And I, he didn't want to wear his putka, his, his like little boy turban. And my, my go-to was always like, well, the child decides, you know, I, I don't want to inform. I don't, I, even when I was in full belief <laughs> of this ideology, I was not interested in indoctrinating my children. I wanted to see what, um, what resonated for them. And that was actually one of the reasons that I was inspired to outgrow this doctrine or collection of doctrines was because I noticed that it was not, um, it was not received as if it were eternal truth to my children, my, my children who had just come from this eternal place in my mind, you know, who were so new to the world, who would likely resonate with things that were more like truth, you know, they would be closer to um, to truth than I was because they hadn't been, um, you know, they hadn't taken on culture and ideas and shame and, you know, all the things that I, I've uh, appropriated in, uh, over the years that we all do, uh, which is why children are so much more joyful than adults because they have so much less programming and so much less um, 
resistance and, uh, you know, so many less stories about why they shouldn't be joyful. Um, and, and that's not to say that you want to be a child forever. <laughs> There's a time for everything, but I think that, uh, observing my children and this comes sort of back to my purpose as a parent. Maybe, you know, if you're a parent, you can relate to this. My, my children taught me a lot about what was natural and, um, they didn't find covering their head very natural feeling. It was like, you know, this. Uh, I mean, they could get used to it. You know, I think that you can make a child used to pretty much anything, but it wasn't natural. And so that, that made me go, hmm. So, yeah, because that was, it was funny because you're, you're going like, you're probably going like, well, why would you think children would think covering their head is natural? That was actually one of the myths, I think, within the, the cult was that that's what a child would naturally do is want to cover their head when they heard scripture. Um, I did not find that to be the case. And uh, anyway, I won't get off into a whole tirade about <laughs> how <laughs> how estranged Sikhism has you know become from its original uh, original source and intentions um, because I think that it has strayed just as far maybe slightly less because it's not as old as you know every religion if you go back to the actual principles of its original teacher um, but anyway so what is interesting about about um, wellness versus purpose to come back to that um, wellness is a focus on your own well-being your personal well-being right and we were talking about I was talking about joy in the last podcast and wondering if that was if that could indeed be a purpose to just find joy now I haven't, I haven't resolved this completely in my mind, so maybe we'll work it out here. Um, I do believe that joy is a component to purpose because ultimately if you're living your purpose, you're going to feel joyful when you are in purpose, right? Or on purpose. However, things that make me joyful are different than the things that make you joyful. And something might be joyful once, but not every time you do it, right? And sometimes you need to do things even though they're not joyful. Maybe they are challenging. And then when you get to the end of that challenge, there is enormous joy, right? So I definitely think that there is an element of understanding where your intention lies, you know, what, what your accomplished goal would be. I guess like if you're thinking, okay, I'm not feeling so healthy in my body and I know that I need to start eating this way and I need to start this sort of exercise protocol or this sort of wellness program. Well, maybe the changing of your habits does not produce joy in the moments that you have to make those, what might seem like sacrifices, right? To put down the cake or, you know, um, get off of the couch to do your, your whatever you're doing, your weights or your sun salutations or to go for your run or your walk or whatever it is that you're doing. So there's an element of a nest, a feel, like you have to actually feel some thread of purpose in order to get to 
joy. The whole ride is not necessarily going to be a hay ride. Um, but you have to trust yourself that if you wanted it, and if you were given that idea, that going towards it is the right way to go, right? So, I, I mean, I've been feeling that lately. I've had this chronic uh, neck neck issue, and my chiropractor brought up, you know, that um, I should do some, I need to strengthen my back and my abdominals, which is totally strange to me because at one point I had a very strong back and very strong abdominal muscles because I was doing so much yoga. Um, I became sort of frozen with my yoga practice um, a couple of years ago and have been a little bit afraid, which sounds really weird, but like a little bit afraid to start it again because I was, I think, just afraid of what I would feel to, to do it again. And there's an element of like having been really good at it in the past and then having to like kind of go back to that. It's almost like having to go back to kindergarten or something. I mean, I'm not that out of shape, but, um, but it does still feel like that, you know, when you've gotten to a certain level and then you kind of like drop the ball and then you have to go back to it. There's, it's kind of humbling, you know? Um, so not sure if you can relate to that. Um, but I'm guessing that that's not uniquely <laughs> me. So, um, so I've had to, you know, uh, kind of change the way I'm eating again and, um, go back to doing some sort of daily practice because of this shoulder issue. I find that really beautiful. I'm not sure if you, if you notice this in your life too, but sometimes the, the purpose is to have, is to do something such as start my practice again, because ultimately that's going to be what's best for my well-being. It's some, it's a practice that I enjoy, makes me feel good in my body, feel good about myself. I feel more on purpose. Um, helps me creatively, you know, so I know this about it, but that alone has not been enough of a motivator for me to actually do it in the day. Now being in pain because I have chronic neck pain, <laughs> that has been my motivator for getting back into it. So it's sort of, I, I wish that it weren't this way with me and um, please let me know if, if this happens to you as well, but it's almost like something I have to be able to like solve a problem in order to actually get back to something that just feels good, you know? So it's like, I'm not, I wasn't motivated for my own sake, you know, from like my own general well-being to start my yoga, pra yoga practice again. But for whatever reason, the fact that I don't want to be in pain, that's a much bigger motivator for me. Um, so for, you know, for... <laughs> Yeah, it's sort of sad that you have to, that you, that I would, you know, I need to sort of create this big problem for, for me to, to get back into doing something that I love. So hopefully in the future, I will just decide to do things because they feel good and that will be enough of a reason to do them rather than, you know, having to unwind an issue that I've created for myself. But, you know, at least I'm noticing, at least we notice, right? Uh, I feel really grateful that that I have actually uh, an ability to notice 
the differences in my body and I don't just go like, oh, I must need an aspirin, you know, because not that I'm beyond taking an aspirin. I've had to a few times, but um, I don't want that to become a chronic thing. Like there's obviously something else going on here and I'm so glad that I asked my chiropractor because yeah, I don't have an aspirin. Um, <laughs> I don't have like a lack of aspirin in my body. That's not the reason why I'm having this pain, right? So, um, yeah, so he, you know, he was explaining that like my neck muscles are sort of overcompensating for weakness in my body. Very interesting to me. So yeah, that's, I guess that's kind of, um, all I wanted to share about, about purpose and about, uh, parenthood, I suppose, and, uh, finding, finding joy perhaps at the end of challenge. Um, I, I also kind of wanted to share, and I guess this is a different topic, but since I'm inspired and we're here, the other thing that I wanted to talk about is that I get, um, I really love the concept of law of attraction. Here we are, we're pivoting. Uh, I love the concept of law of attraction and I do believe in law of attraction. I just notice that there is a huge misconception about what that looks like. And I think that it stems from a general immaturity on all our parts to think that there is a way that we could manipulate ourselves or reality so that we are only ever feeling good all the time. So let me rephrase that. When I first learned about the law of attraction, it was through the secret. And in the secret, it seemed to me like what it was saying was when you're doing a good job and you've mastered the way that you work in reality, you get all the things that you want. And, and so like sort of by extrapolating that all the, all the people who have the things that I want must be doing a better job than me, right? Because they have all these things. The millionaires are obviously doing a better job in reality than me. The person who has the car I want is obviously doing a better job in reality than me. As an example. That's a logical fallacy. Because having things does not make you happy. <laughs> um, you getting a million dollars is not going to necessarily be the best thing that ever happens to you. In fact, it could be the worst thing that happens to you we look at rich people all the time having horrendous life experiences just as people who are impoverished have horrendous life experiences just as people who are impoverished have wonderful life experiences and just as people who are rich have wonderful life experiences and everybody in between nobody is having a good or bad experience solely there are some needs that need to be met in order for there to be joy and that is a given but there are some, there is some joy that is happening primarily because of one's outlook on what produces joy, right? So you could have, quote unquote, have it all, but not notice how wonderful it is and only ever be focusing on the next thing. Um, I watched this really interesting Paris Hilton 
documentary. And for all intents and purposes, it seems like she has it all, right? Um, uh, materially. <laughs> uh, but, you know, she even said in the, the documentary, it was like, it won't be enough until I reach, I can't remember what, it was maybe a billion dollars or whatever. But she has so much now and is not happy. So I wonder what lets what leads her to believe that if she has more, she's going to be happier. In reality, having more or not having more makes very little difference. It's appreciating what you have in this moment. And that's another sticky point because the idea of appreciating what you have was plate this this sort of like um rhetoric of you should appreciate what you have was placed in a very insidious way in our brains, I think, as a collective. And it was placed in the sense of you should not want more than what you have, which is not what I'm saying. You should not dream. Be grateful for what you have. That's not what be grateful for what you have means. Being grateful for what you have means enjoying what you have, being present, being in the moment, coming back to, you know, why my friends, uh, my friend was so impactful on people. That was, that was the key. He was present with them. He was grateful for their presence. They were grateful for his presence, right? That is like the greatest gift I think that we can give to ourselves and to anyone is just being present in this moment, enjoying this cup of tea that I'm drinking as opposed to going, man, I wish I had a better mug. This mug sucks. You know, like other people have gold mugs. <laughs> And this is just a ceramic one. Like that's such a that's such a silly way to be in this moment. Now I could be in this moment and go, wow, this is a beautiful mug. And I love this painting. Wouldn't it be amazing to have a painting like this? It could be like the size of this wall. And so now I'm dreaming and appreciating my moment. I'm not thinking things could be so much, things would be so much better if I had this painting of birds on my wall. No, wouldn't it be amazing if I had, when you're, it's like being a child, you know, it's like the possibility, just being able to hold the space within you of possibility, that is such a beautiful gift to have that so many who have so much struggle to understand. It's a gift of possibility. It's not a, it's not a lack of pleasure in what is. It's an appreciation for what is and a knowing that more is possible. It's a really subtle difference. So, and I bring this up because I think people get disenchanted with this idea of law of attraction because what they hear is, is if I'm getting things that feel good to me, I'm doing it right. And if I get things that are, that feel bad to me, I'm doing it wrong. And that is not at all the case because First off, you could get the exact same thing as me and I could love it and you could hate it. And so that's not, <laughs> that's not a, we're not receiving a grade, you know, like, I think that's another, I think that that's another um, way in which culture, our culture sort of affects our ability to understand this concept is because we think of the universe or God as this authority figure, right? And when we think of authority figures, we think about being told that we are a good girl or a good boy, or, you know, you 
you are such a good student or you're a bad student or you get a punishment, you get a gold star, you know, um, that's not how, that's not how the universe works. The universe is completely amoral, has no opinion on the right way that you should live, has no opinion on whether you did well or you did badly, doesn't care if you're negative or positive. It really doesn't matter. All these experiences we come for. We come for this, this is what I believe anyway, we come for this smorgasbord of experiences and we get to experience any and all of it, a little bit, some of it, not at all. It's our choice, right? It's our choice in a cosmic sense. It's not our choice in the sense that we know what's going to happen when we walk down that road, but we get to walk down that road and find out. Um, and whatever experience we have matches us in the sense that it matches our greater desire of what we want to experience on this earth. And it might suck. It might feel like awful. It might feel wonderful. Either way, it wasn't because you did a good job or a bad job. It was because you want an experience. You want good things to happen. You want bad things to happen. I, it's, it's even poor language. You want a variety of experiences. None of it's really good or bad, but it will feel good or bad. So, you know, I, I understand the, the desire to want to label things. Um, but if you imagine yourself as this soul, you know, this soul who can't experience pain, can't feel hot and cold, doesn't know what it's like to feel shame, doesn't know what it's like to kiss someone or be naked or, you know, go to the bathroom. And you think about the desire of that soul to want to experience different things. I think that gives you more of a window into why you might be experiencing the different things that you are. It's just about variety. You know, it's about like going to the carnival and going on the ride that you love and then going on another one and going, I oh, didn't really love that one so much. And, you know, tasting the, the funnel cake and going, well, that didn't really sit well with me or I love that. That was the best thing ever. Let's get another. It's all going to be different. Um, and some of the experiences are going to stay with us a long time. And that's okay too, because they're going to teach you something new each time you revisit them until you're ready to let them go or you're not. It's all right. All of it is all right. And I think that this law of attraction thing sort of turns into a competition of whose vibration is highest. Um, that's how it seems to me when people talk about it. It's like, you know, how much can you manifest and can you get your ideal partner and your ideal house and what did you manifest today and you know reality check like you manifested everything you have and you will for the rest of your life everything is a manifestation so I get sort of tired of hearing people say I manifested that I'm like yeah I manifested this and this shirt and this computer and this podcast that light you know my headache um, I manifested it all so did you <laughs> <laughs> Look at how amazing we are. I mean, really. Um, 
this is, you know, this is, this is our reality. And whether you're in a mansion or a shack, an apartment or a, you know, a, a hotel room, no experience is better than anyone else's because no matter where you are, it could suck. You could be having a shitty day. And no matter where you are, you could be having the most wonderful day. It's not the things that we think that matter that really matter. So I guess that's that's my little spiel about law of attraction and I'll um, maybe get back to it uh, in a future podcast. Hopefully that made sense and gives you a little bit of uh, relief in terms of you know your vibration and whether you're doing quote unquote good enough. You are. You're doing good enough. And if you're inspired to do something different, then that's going to be great too. Um, you know, I think it's important to grow. I think it's important to give ourselves a break. I think it's important to push ourselves. I think it's important to take a nap. And you can't always choose nap. You can't always choose pushing yourself. You can't always choose... Um, you can't always choose. Sometimes you, you're pushed into things. Sometimes there is somebody else's needs that um, need to be taken into consideration. I think that the conversation around um, new age spirituality will necessarily evolve. It has to, you know, it's like these concepts, I feel like were sort of introduced by the East in the sixties. Um, and people were very new and immature to them then um, but we're kind of trying them on. And I think now we're kind of trying them on, and you know, growing a little bit more in our understanding. And, you know, in 10 years, I think we'll all have much, much different outlooks on what this all means and how to navigate reality. But, um, I have heard by many, many people, um, in their wisdom of old age, that if they could tell anything to their younger self, it would be to relax, give yourself a break. Um, you're doing okay. We're all doing okay. And if changes need to be made, then we can make them. We have that power. Even if it's just teeny, teeny, tiny and doesn't feel like it makes much of a difference, it will. It will. So, not sure who needed to hear that, but needed to get it out. So, anyway, um, I will uh, be back next week and um, I do have some guests coming up so I can't wait to share those people's voices with y'all as well. This has not become the solo Porter podcast, but um, just for whatever reason, this is the, um, this is what's going on now. So I'm just going with the flow and wishing you a wonderful weekend. All right. Bye. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider subscribing on the platform of your choosing and leaving us a comment. This helps considerably for all the algorithms to figure out just how valuable it is. Thank you for participating. To keep in touch with me and receive updates, please sign up for my newsletter at portersinger.com. You'll get a free download, updates on my self-healing sound courses, workshops, and other community building events that I'm creating. Have a beautiful day.